Hello and welcome to The Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a company where talent comes first. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations hire candidates faster, develop the skills of their workforce, and increase employee retention. Hello, everybody. I am Sultan Saidov, and this is the Talent Blueprint. And today I am excited to have not one, but two incredible guests. We have Jamie Sinek, the Vice President of Talent Acquisition, and Sarah Kiesling, the Associate Vice President of Talent Management and HR Operations from Banner Health. I am so excited to be doing this dynamic episode with you both. I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about your roles in your organizations and a little bit about your background. Hi, I'm Jamie Sinek. I am the Vice President of Talent Acquisition at Banner Health. I oversee the talent acquisition teams, so everything in recruitment with the exception of our executive recruitment team. So that is everything clinical, non-clinical, our providers, meeting physicians and APPs, as well as oversee our talent pipelines. So how are we bringing in our candidates across the organization? as well as our what we call banner staffing services, which is a group of individuals who oversee our per diem staff, as well as any external contract labor we bring in. Been with Banner about 12 years and in this role for almost four and just love the impact that our teams get to have on the organization. Hi, I'm Sarah Kiesling. I'm the Associate Vice President of Talent Management and HR Operations at Banner Health. I've been with the organization for just over 20 years. Leading those spaces includes leading our talent development and learning, as well as onboarding and growth and development for all of our team members, establishing career pathways. I also lead HR operations, which includes our centralized HR shared service resource center. And then I lead the HR technology and reporting and analytics spaces. So a very small remit for you both then. It's amazing, though, hearing the depth of both of your focus areas. And one of the reasons I'm really excited for the conversation with both of you together is because it's such a recent phenomenon that the collaboration between talent acquisition and talent management has really emerged. The principle of hiring for potential has, up until the last couple of years, generally been very disconnected from then developing that potential and how you make shared decisions. And I would love to actually dig in a little bit into how the two of you have been collaborating in some of your joint efforts in both the TA function for you, Jamie, and the broader career pathways and the, these broader mobility efforts. Jamie, for you, what's it been like to dig into these emerging ways of recruiting in a world where we have to think about that employee journey afterwards? What has that meant for the role of recruiters in your organization? How have you thought about building pipelines at Banner Health with a view to what happens after they hopefully are able to join the firm and move into the the organization's career pathways and other developments that Sarah's thinking about? It's definitely been an evolution. I think you hit that head on. In the past, recruitment has been a very different dynamic. So you talk several years ago, pre-pandemic, we had a candidate pool that was readily available. I wouldn't say for every role, but much more than we are today. For lack of a better word, it felt like you know we were able to pick and choose and we were able to be a little more flexible where now we definitely have to be more strategic in our planning and our sourcing. How are we looking for talent? Where are we looking? And how are we ensuring that the talent we bring in today is the workforce that we need of the future? We do that through a lot of different ways. We have innovation in the way that we do source. So how are we going out there? Today we're doing sourcing through TikTok. 
through video components and things that we've never had to do in the past or never thought of doing and, and really leveraging social media. How are we ensuring that we use technology platforms to mitigate any redundancy and gain efficiency, but also to remove any bias? Making sure that when we're recruiting, we're reflecting our communities, we're thinking about the diverse workforce that we're hoping to have in our organization and, and really evolving that going forward. When it comes to developing our pipeline, we have really stretched our boundaries in ways that we haven't done in the past in regards to we are looking more, not always for the, I'll say, experienced RN, but maybe the new grad who's ready to come into the organization and making sure we have the programs and structure to support them when they join us. So they don't walk into their first day on a unit and completely overwhelmed without the right structure and leadership to help them be successful and provide safe patient care across our organization. Again, we are digging into K through 12 strategies. We have a whole group focused on how are we partnering with local high schools and trade schools? If nothing else, educating our high school students on what it means to work in healthcare, and then how do we take them forward into their career journey? We're very fortunate in, in the, the communities we're in. We have a lot of trade schools, so we work with them to help source their students when they come out, whether it's for medical assistance or PCAs. We have the opportunity to really touch them before they're even graduates and talk to them about Banner as an organization. We also reach far into our international pipelines. That's something that during the pandemic, the opportunity to bring in international talent was definitely limited. We have been able to expand that and really look at how do we bring in not just nurses, but support roles and, and other individuals who wish to come into our organization, but may not know how we can do that through some agency partnerships. So really, I think to the question, evolution has been the topic in regards to the way we recruit, the way we source and the talent that we're willing to bring in. And then I'm sure Sarah's gonna talk a little bit about pathways and the way we support people internally, but really looking at that talent as they walk in the door and what are they capable of go forward, not just what they're doing today. And I imagine the changes for how you think about talent experience go deeper than just how you have to source and recruit on TikTok. The expectations of those people when they join will be radically different. And in fact, even the people who have already been at Banner, I imagine, will have changing expectations. I'd love to get your view, Sarah, on how have you thought about the connection of what happens post-hire and how your learnings and looking at career pathways have led to different ways of thinking about how to integrate your efforts with talent acquisition and the work that Jamie's doing? Yeah, it really is a critical partnership because we want to take those team members that they've brought into our workforce and really make them feel like they have a lot of growth and potential at Banner. You know, we are a 50,000 plus organization, so we have a lot of opportunity for team members to grow. And you spoke of mobility, and we really want them to have those options to move within the organization. So when it comes to our employees feeling like we're investing in their growth and development to then be able to move into that next role, we're really focused in that space. We talked about pathways and we have programs that we've stood up in partnership with Jamie's organization. She talked about the institutions and the trade schools we have relationships with. We've built off of those relationships and married that with career opportunities for our team members. So we leverage those relationships and then we're building pathways for team members that are going from frontline non-clinical roles to enroll in schools and then grow their careers. 
we're covering the finances of that as well as additional support resources like laptops and bus passes, whatever they might need to then grow into a frontline career around patient care assistance or medical assistance. Because we can see we need those caregiver roles as we look at the ever-changing landscape of healthcare. And we want our team members to feel like they have a way to make those transitions where we're supporting and investing in them. We also really have a lot of focus around talent planning. So we want to take that workforce, that future workforce, and understand what are the skills that they have and what are the skills we're going to need in the future. Development and growth are critical to retention in our organization. And so we want our team members to feel the investment we're making from growth and development. And that point you've just raised on talent planning is a fascinating development in the last 12 months in terms of how much it's impacting organizations. In part because we have rapidly changing job requirements, which means that you just cannot hire for experience when what you need in a, in a job is changing so quickly. And in part because we have been in a pretty crazy economic environment for the last couple of years. And the question of where are we hiring? How are we hiring? I mean, Jamie, you touched on it when you were talking about hiring internationally. I mean, part of that is, I imagine... The question of how do we build the right supply of talent so that we actually have the ability to resource for different scenarios without relying on traditional pools of talent. But you also now have the option of looking internally with more sophistication. So your supply of talent doesn't have to wait for new applications. You can be more mobile. So I imagine part of this planning that you talk about, Sarah, is to create more agility, to be able to react faster, to have resources available for different scenarios. How do you both think about agility in how you look at talent decision making and when you open up plans for new roles versus how you're preparing for mobility? Well, I think agility is key. And actually, this makes me think of a Gartner study that I think estimated the number of skills needed for a single job is increasing 10% year over year. And more than 30% of skills needed three years ago will soon be irrelevant. So agility is critical as we think of things moving and changing so quickly. This is where I think technology is going to be a game changer and is critical in that whole evolution of really understanding the talent we have. We need to understand the skills of our workforce today, align that with the skills for the jobs we have today, as well as the skills and workforce we need for the future. If you think of it almost like a football team, as the quarterbacks, we're trying to understand where the ball needs to go to meet our teammate, where they're going to be when the play is run. How can we be sure we're bringing those together? It starts with technology giving us the insights we need to put the ball where we need it to be for our team. Yeah, I would add to that. The technology is key in the recruitment space as well, obviously knowing who we have, but not just who's in our workforce today. We talked a little bit earlier around some of the travel and external contract labor support we have. Having those individuals and understanding who they are, they're in our facilities for a number of weeks. Who are they? Who are the students that are rotating in our facilities who are not done with school, but have skills they're building now and understanding who they are and how do they align to our future workforce and really assessing that down through the technology. And it's not possible unless we have them all in one, I'll say one world, so we can get that viewpoint to see if I have a job open and Sarah's a student in the facility, how do I know Sarah's there and how do I know what skills Sarah has today and what Sarah's potentially capable of in the future? So I, I think the agility piece is key going forward with, with our ability to build the right workforce and be able to continue to provide staff within our facilities, knowing that it's not always the experienced RN and the people we have today but it's who they're going to be tomorrow. 
And this question of how do you think about what skills you have today versus you might need. Sarah, you mentioned some research from Gartner. There's been a lot of new findings over the past year and new expectations that are only accelerating. I think the World Economic Forum forecasts that within five years, one in two people won't be able to do their jobs unless they reskill. But in some ways, it's uh, very industry specific. We can't generalize what it means. And I'm sure you're seeing with nurses and other roles that you've mentioned, some changes that are in real time creating you know, talent shortages and difficulties of hiring. There's been some statistics from LinkedIn sharing that on average, looking at adjacent skills and thinking about hiring for potential and training people is becoming necessary because of shortages, but actually allows us to increase talent pools tenfold. You know, not everybody has the degrees or experiences to do something. But at the same time, in sectors like healthcare, you do sometimes need qualifications and degrees. You can't train for everything. So how do you think about that balance of when to be able to hire for skills or develop for skills over qualifications? And where are some examples of things coming to light in you looking at skills and definitions of skills and job hierarchies being different based on the emerging landscape? So I think we are unique because of the healthcare component. Obviously, there's a lot of certifications and licensure that are required that we'll never be able to move away from. But I do think when there is opportunity, we have moved away from, as you referenced, the traditional approach of degree programs and certain education programs as a requirement and started to look more at what are the skills an individual has in order to allow them to be successful in the role. It's something I'm really proud of that we've done and it allowed us to, to branch out our candidate pool. To your point, we may be looking at it differently, but we are opening up those floodgates of candidates who may have been hesitant in the past to apply to a healthcare organization because they don't have a bachelor's or a master's. I think we'll never get away from some of the components we're restricted by because it, obviously you don't want to have an RN or a physician who's not met the qualifications that are required, but we do have opportunity in other ways to look at the skills and not so much the technical or certified trainings that we used to in the past. And for you, Jamie, does that fit into diversity or DNI programs or thinking about how you create inclusion in the communities and areas you recruit from as well? Yeah, absolutely. Our ability to open that floodgate then allows for more diverse candidates to come into our organization. And that also kind of drives some of our partnerships. Who do we partner with in the communities? I think in the past, we have been very heavily focused on our college partnerships. And now we're getting more into community colleges. We're getting more into trade schools. And I think that then opens up the opportunity for us to have a different workforce, whether it's diversity of thought or background, race, gender, whatever that diverse component is, even though we're in different states, we have different communities in each of those states. We have to be nimble. We have to be reflective of those communities. And the best way to do that is to be recruiting within those communities, recruiting from the schools that sit next to our hospitals. And I don't care if it's a high school or a community college, if it's a trade school, if it's a, a college, then that's wonderful. But that's not our, our sole focus anymore where it has been historically. And in terms of the broader mindset and culture of flexibility about just making sure you have the best people, what does that look like uh, internally? Uh, I think even the concept of career pathways must be part of the mindset shift because it's such a new concept. And of course, skills are one of the ingredients that help us figure out career pathways and where people might move. But it's a journey and it's a journey in terms of how organizations think about people and what's taken to do work. I've spoken to many of our customers in the healthcare space who are trying to figure out 
how do we actually look at redefining the work so we don't have to always train people for the same number of years and can make it simpler and give people a way to try out certain work and it's something that is deeper than just you know hr and talent teams it's a organizational mindset what types of mindset or culture shifts have you seen happening at banner health in the last couple of years as you try to embrace more flexibility and agility and are thinking about skills yeah i think some of the mindset and Jamie, you probably see this a little bit more in your role, but I think some of the mindset is openness because we did go through the pandemic and we saw such workforce shortages that we kind of had a propellant of, okay, we really need to think differently. The caregiving needs are still there. So we have to be creative in how we deliver that high quality, reliable care. And so that really opened a door for us that maybe would have taken a little bit longer to open if we hadn't gone through that as an organization. I think that's a great point, Sarah. It reminds me during the pandemic, because we had shortages, corporate was encouraged to go into the facilities and, and take on roles. And we were runners and we were greeters and we were taking temps and we were doing whatever we could. And I do think that that drove openness to how do we really look at our workforce differently I know personally within my team, we do a ton of shadowing. If someone says within a development conversation, I really am interested in learning how to do project management. Great. Let's get you a shadow opportunity with one of the team members that works in that group and go try it. And sometimes they come back and they say, gosh, I tried it and it was terrible. And now I know I never want to do that, which is still a learning. And sometimes they say, I really want to do this. And that's one of the things that I have always appreciated about our organization is the willingness to let people try, shadow it, try it. I have been in roles in this organization that I never thought I would be in. I never thought I would be leading TA and recruitment. And here I am. And I love every second of it because someone gave me an opportunity. And I think that is the uniqueness of our organization that allows us to, like we said, being agile and nimble and looking at skills versus do you fit the mold of the job description? And it helps us to be a really innovative healthcare company and be very successful at what we do. I don't think that comes without challenges, but I do think that we have found ways to navigate that. And Sarah and her team are doing a phenomenal job with that when it comes to pathway work and allowing people to elevate their career through means that Banner offers internally. To the point of pathways and Jamie's point of shadowing, that's one of the critical steps because we're taking people that aren't giving care right now at all. They may be working our support desk, their very frontline, their EVS, their transport. So they do go shadow those caregiving jobs. And we've had over 900 team members interested but several of them have shadowed the job of a medical assistant. We're like, oh, that's really not the job I thought it was. And that's not the path I want to take. But you're right. That's how we give those opportunities and make sure that people are going to pick a pathway that really is going to be what they want to do because it's an investment for us and them. It's a lot of time to have a full-time job and go to school and kind of take a pivot in your career. So we want everybody to be engaged and involved in that. It's amazing to see how quickly... What I think most people from the outside would think of as uh, quite traditional organizations, you know, large hospitals operating in the world that you do, inside there's so much change in how you're facilitating these programs. I mean, shadowing, career pathing, these are pretty big shifts and also shifts that have only been made possible 
in the last couple of years through the way that technology is facilitating this. You know, under the hood, we have HR processes that also have to be reinvented to facilitate this and to allow people to go into these programs. What has been your approach to bringing technology into facilitating this, both at the level of the programs and the insights that are helping you make some of these decisions? Oh, that's such a good question. Integration is key. I think whenever you're bringing either new technologies in or deploying kind of technology overall, as Jamie mentioned, we want all of that data and those insights to come together. So whether it's platform integration or data integration, it really has to all marry and give us the insights we need to make decisions. So holistically, as an organization, we work to have our TA function and our talent function and compensation all in an integrated HCM platform. And then we bring systems together with that. So again, our data can be all in one place and we use that data to make data-driven decisions. And so from our program perspective, we're looking at, to Jamie's point earlier, you know, what's the community we're serving? What's the representation of those in our pathways and pipelines? And are we making sure that we're giving opportunities to all so that we really are having a workforce that represents the communities we serve? I think integration of systems and data is one of the most critical things that we need to make sure we continue to do. Integrations are often the reason that people struggle to adopt change or tools and technology, that you end up with new systems that don't speak to each other. But there's also things that you have to think about at the level of human change. You know, a lot of what you've talked about is being able to work with the business and shadow folks and participate in how managers think about who they can bring into their teams, which is a lot of time to spend on new initiatives and programs. And it's even harder when you're being asked to log into different systems or do things differently. How have you thought about managing engagements for people, either as employees or as managers at Banner Health, to uh, take part in some of the initiatives that you've been trying to drive? Well, one of the things we do is accessibility, right? Accessibility is so important. And we don't have a workforce that sits at computers every day. Our workforce is out on the floors of hospitals, in clinics, delivering care. So we really try to think about the accessibility of our technology. Sometimes that's single sign-on, sometimes that's mobile apps, but really you know, meeting our team members where they're at when they need that technology to be there. Some of the other things we do are really ensuring we're adding value. So if we're going to implement a new technology, if we're going to enhance a process that we have, we want those to add value to some of those might be to our recruiters. Like, are we implementing something that makes our recruiters life easier or our compensation partners? How are we making it more accessible for our leaders? So we always work on thinking of adding value and making the customers life easier with the change. And Jamie, you've clearly adopted some pretty bold new initiatives, both in where you hire and how you're using social media. I uh, imagine the shift towards using tools like TikTok and showing that these are uh, meaningful channels and getting folks within the business and managers to take part in those. That must have been an interesting journey. How did you get folks to buy in and be motivated by some of these new initiatives you've been running? It's hard to find people internally who are willing to get on TikTok and, you know, do a little spiel or a song and dance and promote the organization. We have really done a lot of it through our partnerships with our leaders and their facilities. So, you know, platforms like LinkedIn, we have brand ambassadors. And so my team uses programs to help push advertisements of our jobs through those individuals. They're not touching their LinkedIn. It's being done for them. Those types of things, again, alleviating the burden to our facility leaders. But we know if you are a leader in a facility on a particular unit, you probably have the biggest network of 
opportunity for us more than we do as recruiters, right? I, I'm not an ICU nurse, but if I go to an ICU nurse leader and say, hey, can you push this on your social media? They're hitting all those other people that they network with. So we have to be creative in that way. We have some that love it. We have some that are like, please keep me off of TikTok. I don't even know what that is, or I'm only watching it to keep an eye on my teenage kid. But at the same time, we look for those people who have the passion for it and are willing to jump in and help with it. But it is an initiative. And I think Sarah hit it on the head. A lot of this is hard because the priority of our organization is to provide safe patient care. And we cannot take people off the floor or away from that and make anything else a priority. So initiating new products, new technology is critical, important, but it has to be done with snippets and the communication and, and the opportunity for them to do that without disrupting the primary focus of their role. I think one of the other challenges when we think about change and you know the end user is back a little bit to diversity. We also have a really diverse workforce when it comes to generations. And so you're thinking about the ways that different generations engage in development, finding a new role, engaging with their organization. And so you're also thinking of, you know, how do we make sure we're meeting the needs or finding the workers in these various generations that are part of the workforce right now? I'd love to hear some personal wisdom from you both of people considering moving into talent teams and considering what the changing role in both the talent acquisition and the internal side of operations and HR can look like and how the collaboration that you've both had and created in the connected talent function may form advice for folks considering roles in, in joining you both. I can say with personal experience, so I started my career in IT, in technology, grew my career into HR technology, and have been in my role that oversees talent for not quite two years. So having been someone that grew into the talent space, it's been really great to learn about all the things that we're doing, and then all the ways the industry is changing and the ways that we need to grow to meet it. So as I thought about wisdom, I think one is seek experts in the space. You know, there is a lot of expertise, both internal to organizations and external. So listening to those wise guides of the space of talent and ways that you can use technology or whatever that might be is really important. Giving yourself grace as you try something new, do something new is always critical, but it's also a really fun space. And you get to have an amazing impact on individual team members' lives. You know, for every pathway participant we have, we've changed that person's life. They have a new career that has a higher income that's going to impact their family and their community. So it's an amazing space where you get to have both individual personal impact and large organization impact. It's interesting because I think my journey is different than Sarah's. So I started in HR when I was 18. doesn't matter how long ago that was. And I have lived in a lot of different HR roles. Like I said, I've been in this one for four years and I came into it with very little recruitment experience. I think what Sarah said is, is really relevant, giving yourself grace, learning from those that have lived the life, you know, your team members, there's nothing more important that we could do is than to listen to our team members. They usually have the best ideas. And if you listen, you know what, you get a lot of success out of that. But at the same time, once you become comfortable with where you're at, is starting to push the envelope. And we talked earlier around you know, taking risks and being innovative and changing the dynamic, taking risks where it's appropriate and being willing to try something different. But at the same time, when you sit in these seats, to Sarah's point, 
the impact is significant. So the unfortunate time when like recruitment isn't strong and the organization is suffering, you feel that. But on the flip side, when recruitment is strong, that is a high and you absolutely can feel how that's impacting the organization. You know, we talk a lot about, we don't sit at the bedside and interact with patients, but we support the people who do. And the best thing we can do is to provide them what they need so they feel comfortable, successful, and stable in where they're at because that translates into how they provide patient care. And that's the best way we can have a direct correlation to what the patients experience in our facilities. And it's amazing how many barriers you've been able to break in just the last few years between how you're working with the business, how you're working with each other. Do you feel that there's still more barriers to break and clarity to create by having leadership, CEOs, CFOs, people in the executive team really understand how your functions are operating, how your ability to help with things like talent planning really should be a more central board level agenda? What do you wish every CEO and executive knew about your function and what you're trying to do? I think one of the things that's key to success is the collaboration and partnership you have with the leadership teams. You know, Banner is unique in that we do have our CFO, CEO of the organization, but each hospital also has what we call, you know, the C-suite. So you're interacting with them often and they're looking to our teams as the experts. We provide guidance, but at the same time, what we need from them in return is that partnership and collaboration because they know what their business needs. We're not here to tell them how many nurses they need. We're just here to understand how many they need and when do they need them and, and what skill set do they need and how do we help provide that. I always say that it's like walking into the grocery store and asking the grocer what groceries you need at home. He has no idea. But if you walk in and you tell him, I need to make spaghetti, he's going to say, these are the things you need. That kind of partnership needs to happen for us to be able to really understand what the business is, is striving for and be able to then be successful at achieving that. I would, yes, and Jamie talked about bringing in the workers and having them, and you feel the effect when we're getting a lot of traction and movement, and TA is really bringing a lot of folks in. The other aspect of that is then retaining them. And so when we're able to retain the workforce, we have more continuity in that workforce, and that in turn just allows for a lot more growth of, and innovation in the ways that we're doing all kinds of things in the organization. And so one of the critical aspects to retention is investing in career growth and development for our team members. And so having leaders at all levels understand that an investment in career development and continuous education in certifications for our team members and the talent technologies that are going to help us get those insights and make those critical decisions with the right data and information is an investment in your future organization. It will return in the way of retention and the way of experienced workers that understand your culture and can drive innovation and change. Well, I am inspired by how much innovation and change you're bringing to your organization. I am very grateful for the conversation and thank you for joining me today, Sarah and Jamie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for having us. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery, the talent lifecycle management platform that helps organizations attract, retain, redeploy, and develop the skills they need. Learn more at Beamery.com.